I greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I do give thanks for the presence of the Lord today. I give thanks for the presence of the Holy Spirit today. I'm so grateful for it. Let me go back to my scripture here just for a second, because I think there's a little bit more to take out of that scripture. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, if you could just stand for the reading of the word while I read the scripture. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I just want you to uh, hear this word that the Lord has spoken. It's not my message, but it's the word of the Lord now. Um, this was concerning the dedicating of the house of God. 2 Chronicles 7. And it reads right from the beginning of the chapter. I'm going to read the beginning of the chapter just to give you some context. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying. So right at the first part, we see when Solomon was praying. Now I, what I read was when the Lord heard his prayer, he said, I've heard your prayer. But at the start of the chapter, he starts to pray and ends. What we don't hear at the start of the chapter and at the end of the chapter, uh, at the, the start of the chapter, is that the Lord heard him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We hear four, 11, 12, 13, 14 verses later yes, that he hears the prayer at the start of the chapter. Speak, yes. elder, speak Holy Ghost. What we see in verses 1 through 10 is that seven days pass. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Seven days wow. pass between when Solomon prayed yes. and the Lord says, I hear your prayer. Okay, seven days, seven days. Look, I don't care how long you've been praying. The Lord is hearing your prayer. And you're saying, well, Lord, I prayed seven days ago. I prayed a year ago. I prayed five years ago, and I still haven't heard from you. But the Lord is saying, I've heard your prayer. We sometimes think when we are speaking these things and saying these things and even imagining these things, that the Lord has no access to them. And I'm trying to tell you, he sees, he hears, he knows, and he understands. This is the God we serve. This is the God who put everything into motion. This is the God who sees the beginning and the end. You know what, what, what's interesting about prophets? I'm going to talk to you about prophets today. Prophets are known to know what's in the past. They are known to know what's in the present. And they are known to know what's in the future. But what's amazing about God isn't that he just knows the past. Isn't that he just knows the present and knows the future. The scripture says of Jesus that I am the alpha. Come on, come on. I am the beginning and the end. He doesn't just know about it. It's not just a curiosity for him. He is the beginning. He is today. He is tomorrow. I am so happy to be in the presence of a God who not only knows me by beginning, he not only knows my today, he also knows my tomorrow. And I am grateful to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Saints. Please do take your seats. Today we do honor the Lord Jesus. He's worthy of all praises and honor and glory, yes, and I do worship him today. Amen. It is an opportunity and a beautiful thing to be together with the people of God. Yes. When I read, and in fact, I'm gonna read some more of that, 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 second, that second Chronicles there. Um, if you'll take your scriptures with me. Um, I'm gonna go slowly on this as well, so please, please be patient with me as I build here. 
Verse 1, when Solomon made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven. Yes. He sees an immediate response, but he doesn't hear from the Lord. And consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. So Solomon's first act is to come into the house that he's built for the Lord. Mm -hmm. If you remember, recall your Old Testament history. David was intending to build a house for the Lord. But this, he had too much blood on his hands. He did too much wrong, he did too much things. And the Lord said, you know what, David, I know you've got too much blood on your hands, but this is the things I promise you. I promise you that your son will sit on this throne. That's not David, David's in his present. He doesn't know the future. And the Lord looked into the Alpha and the Omega, today and yesterday, looked and said, I can assure you, your son's gonna sit on the throne. And when he sits on the throne, he's going to build the temple that you want to build. Like, I know you can't do it, but your son can. He gave him a promise. And this is the fulfillment of that promise. This is the opportunity for that promise to be made real. Second, Second Chronicles 7 and 2 says, the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Already the scriptures turned this from being Solomon's temple being built to ownership of who owns the space and who's allowed to be in there. Not only are the priests wanting to serve, but the presence of the Lord is so powerful. The presence of the Lord is so thick. The presence of the Lord is so deep and wide and broad that they can't even get into to serve as they should. The presence of the Lord is so thick in this place, they can't do what they intend to do to serve as priests. The priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord. You know what I want in terms of presence here? I want the glory of the Lord to be in this place so tough. I can't even get my mind right. <laughs> I can't do what I'm, sp I'm supposed to give up the word and I can't even get to it. That's what I desire for the presence of the Lord. I'm supposed to tell you about the announcements for next week. Can't get to it because of the presence of the Lord. I want him in our lives. I want him in our space. I want him in our heart. Can you imagine you've got one job? The priests didn't have part-time jobs. This was there. Everything they were supposed to do was in that temple. I can't even do the one thing I'm here for because the presence of the Lord. You know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> I am totally okay with the presence of the Lord stopping singing, stopping drumming, stopping keyboard playing, stopping the word. Let the presence of the Lord come in. Oh, hallelujah. Let your Holy Ghost move here. So the scripture says in verse 3, And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, when they saw the Lord's response to the sacrifice and the glory of the Lord of the house upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good. <laughs> for his mercy endureth forever. I'm wondering if we can do that right here. You can say with me, for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. For he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For he is good. 
So this is what continues to happen. Verse 4, then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 20 and 2,000 oxen. 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. I want you to understand how excited King Solomon was. This was an endeavor that at the time was known throughout the world. They built a temple in Israel and it is impressive. But Solomon's whole thing was when he got here, I'm not going to just rest on the fact that this is a beautiful temple. He came in with a heart of sacrifice. And the scripture says he gave how much? 200,000, sorry, 100, sorry, what, we got 20 and 2,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. That's a lot. And I'm wondering sometimes if we come into the house of the Lord with a little bit of the mixed mindset here, we come with what we can get rather than what we can give. Solomon's built this. In fact, all of Israel, he had to tax them really strongly. And they were upset about it, to be honest. That's how taxes are. He taxed the people so he could build the temple. It wasn't magic they built, built it with. It was with money. And people had to build and make it. And they upset them. But they, when they got the temple in place, the scripture tells us that they all worshipped and said, what? For the Lord is good. The taxes weren't so bad after they saw the temple. After they see the presence of the Lord, they say, oh, actually, this is good. The problem sometimes is that when we're in our problems, we can't see the good. <laughs> All we see is the problem. <laughs> and so it's difficult, but I'm challenging you right now when you're in the problem. Say, he is good. And his mercy endureth forever. Man, it's so easy to say he's good when everything is good. But when the tax bill comes, he's still good. Oh my God. Thank you, Jesus. And the scripture says this, and the King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 oxen. He came with a sacrifice. Even after building the temple, commissioning the temple to be built, getting the taxes, he still came into the house of the Lord with a sacrifice. Still came with something. What is a sacrifice to a sacrifice? A sacrifice is something that you could do with, but you give it anyway. Like this is a sacrifice isn't trash. Like you can't give a sacrifice of something that you didn't want in the first place. That's not a sacrifice. The garbage man picks up that every single week. That's not a sacrifice. That's not a, what a sacrifice is. Oh, I need this couch but I'm going to give it to somebody who needs it more. That's a sacrifice. A sacrifice is, I've only got two hours to spare, but I'm going to give that time to you. That's what a sacrifice is. When we come into the house of the Lord, you have to decide what your sacrifice is. What the thing is you're giving to the Lord. Look, we come with a sacrifice of praise. Right? This energy I could use somewhere else if I needed it. I certainly do need it. But I'm saying, Lord, this isn't for me. This is for you. I don't know how much calories we burn on Sunday morning. 
But I hope come on, come on, come on, but sir, yes, every sir. single calorie is for the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, sir. I could use it for my garden. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I could use it to rake those leaves yes, sir, yes, I've left in the house. Come on, come on, come on. But what I'm going to do is take them, give them to the Lord. You're saying, man, I've got that, that project I wanted to do for so long. I've meant to paint the, the walls of that one bedroom and I haven't done it. Well, have a guess what? It's not going to happen on Sunday morning because that's time I've sacrificed to the Lord. I do need it for something else. I absolutely need it for something else, but it's for the Lord now. Solomon decided to give 22,000 sacrifices. Solomon decided to give 120,000 sacrifices. He wanted the people to know what was most important wasn't the man who built the house, was the God we are serving in the house. Oh Lord, have mercy. Let me keep going here because I'm, I'm still not on my message here. And the priest waited from their offices and the Levites also with instruments of music of the Lord. Listen what happening in the house of the Lord. They've built this house. Up until now, they've been dealing with tabernacles. A tabernacle is nothing better than a, a fancy word for a tent. We have been worshiping God in a tabernacle, which is a fancy word for a tent. The Ark of the Covenant, that, 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 that item that is the Lord's presence, we've basically been carrying it around in a tent all these years. And this is the first time we've had a permanent location for the presence of the Lord. So, so Solomon is obviously excited. This is a historic moment. This is a moment that will not be forgotten soon. So they sacrifice and they bring in the priests. And look at what the priests do in the presence of the Lord. And the priests waited on their offices. The Levites also with what? Instruments of music of the Lord which David the king had made to praise the Lord. So there were some instruments dedicated to a particular purpose and the priest and the Levites took those instruments and did what you do with those instruments, meaning you play. <laughs> you play on those instruments, right? <laughs> Verse six, uh, which David the king had made to praise the Lord because what? His mercy. <laughs> I'm singing. And I'm playing instruments, not just because I'm good at it, but because his mercy endures for, it's not about me. It's not about how good you sing. It's why you sing. It's the reason why that is important. Because his mercy endureth forever. I don't care if you can't hit a note. I don't care if you're offbeat. I don't care if you're off key. I want you to sing, not because you can, but because his mercy. <laughs> you know what the problem with singing because you can is? <laughs> it becomes about you. <laughs> it really does. It becomes about you. And that way you can get away with doing nothing. But when it's about him, I can't get away with it. He is always him. He's always God, so I've always got to praise, right? <laughs> when David praised by their ministry and the priest sounded trumpets before them and all Israel stood, meaning they led worship, but they didn't start and end worship. What do I mean by that? The priest started it, 
But when the people heard it, they stood up. This is not a substitute for my praise. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This starts me off, yes, 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 yes. but it's not a substitute for my praise. Yes, sir, yes, sir. I've got to bring my praise yes, with me. Yes, you can kick me off. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Right, right. You can tell me what song we're singing, yes, sir, yes, sir. but you can't sing the songs for me. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And I don't care if you've got, if you've got no voice, sign that. Mimic, mime it out. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Whatever you've got to do. The scripture says we can lift our hands in worship. The scripture says you can clap your hands, all ye people. You can shout. You can stamp. You can dance. And now I've just realized you can just simply stand. That's a praise. Oh, you didn't think it was a praise, did you? You thought it was just something you could, no. When they started praising, the people stood. If you do what you can do. I'm starting to realize that I can't sing with the full voice I used to be able to sing with. My voice goes out in two minutes, that's it. But the Lord's got that two minutes. It's all hit, I'm saving that voice on Saturday. So Sunday I can give him what I've got. Sacrifice, sacrifice of praise. Verse seven, moreover Solomon hollowed the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord. For there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings because the brazen altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offerings and the meat offerings and the fat. You know what this is telling me? Not everything was ready the way it should be. But Solomon made it work. <laughs> he basically offered it in the middle of the court because the other parts weren't ready right yet. And I want you to know that I don't want perfection to get in the way of praise. <laughs> like, I don't care if it goes a little bit wrong. I, that doesn't bother me in the slightest. My intent is where my heart is. Like Solomon was probably wanting to do it exactly the way, wasn't the way to do it that way. He didn't have the opportunity. So he just did it where he was. <laughs> Saying, oh, the keyboard doesn't sound right today. I don't care. Is it in honor of the Lord? Good. Oh, the drums seem too loud. I don't care. What did we do and who did we do it for? You understand what I'm saying? Verse eight, also at the same time, Solomon kept the feast seven days. So now we know he prayed and for seven days he's kept a feast and all Israel with him, a very great congregation from the entering in of the Hamath onto the river of Egypt. And in the eighth day, they made a solemn assembly for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. And on the three and 20th day, 23 days into this event, of the seventh month, he sent the people away into their tents, glad and merry in heart. For the goodness of the Lord had showed unto David and to Solomon and to Israel, his people. The worship has been finished now. The worship has gone forward. The musicians have praised God. The people have stood and worshiped God. We've said, for his mercy endureth forever. We have given God all his praises. And at the very end of this, this is where I was reading earlier. 
Verse 11 picks up, and the, thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he prosperously effected. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard your prayer. Can you imagine? He has been worshiping and sacrificing. Days have passed now. Weeks, in fact, we realize now have passed. And the Lord says to Solomon, now I hear your prayer. Look, I'm not asking, I'm not even expecting necessarily the Lord to answer your prayer in this moment right now as you prayed. But I'm asking you to steal away a little bit of moments of your time to right now to put something in your heart to pray for. This can be a somebody. This can be a person. This can be a thing you need. This can be a thing they need. This can be a friend, a cousin, a aunt, a sister, a brother, a husband, a wife. I don't care what it is. But I'm asking you to pray that prayer now. I'm asking you to pray that prayer. And because what I'm expecting is that the Lord is going to hear us. And he's going to respond to that prayer. This is what the scripture goes on to say in this chapter. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for, to myself for a house of sacrifice. I've chosen this place. You built it, but I've chosen it. <laughs> Look, you're here. <laughs> You've already been built. You may have already had your purpose, but I'm telling you right now that whatever your purpose was, whatever you've built in your life and for your life, the Lord chose you. <laughs> the truth is, Solomon's temple at this point is one of the most impressive buildings, but what I'm hearing is that it's not the largest one. <laughs> so the Lord had his choice of places he could have been, but he chose this one. To be sure, Solomon's temple was beautiful. Solomon's temple was a architectural magnificent place. It was beautiful, it's described in great detail. But what we don't know is why the Lord chose this place. He could have chose any place. And you may have the question in your heart is, well, why the Lord chose me? <laughs> don't you know you are beautifully and wonderfully and fearfully made? His selection of you is nothing but his own grace in action. His own mercy in action. And I give God thanks for selecting me. <laughs> and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for, an, for a house of sacrifice. This is what the powerful part that I hear. He said, this is what the Lord says to Solomon. If I shut up heaven, like I have the right to make it rain and to make it stop raining. That's my sovereign right. I created everything in existence by my own word. If I, look, this is, this is some powerful stuff. I hope you're getting the context here. The creator of heaven and earth is saying to Solomon, he's saying, if I shut up heaven, that it rains no more. Thank you, Lord. Verse 30, if I shut up heaven, there be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven 
and will forgive sins and will heal their land. The purpose here of the, our prayer is to forgive sin and to heal the land. Today I was planning to speak to you about prophets and it kind of speaks to this particular moment. What prophets did in the Old Testament was really, really important. There are most of the, the last few books of the Old Testament are prophetic books. Prophets, um, we think about prophets usually as people who look way into the future. That's one of their jobs, not their whole job. What their, most of their job was to do was look at the present moment. Like about 3% of the prophecies were about some future or messianic prophecy. Most of them were about what's going on right now. Right? So they would have to look at what's going on in the society, look what's going on in the people, and say, this is the Lord's will. But you're not doing it. Like, I've got to get you all right here because we are doing stuff and this isn't the part of the promise. There's a promise happening right here that's based on a particular set of conditions. That if my people, if my people, the people I've described as ownership of, will pray to me, will get their lives right, you have direct access for me to turn my mind around about things. Now we think about the Lord's word as being unchangeable and unmovable. But the Lord is inviting you into his decision-making process and saying, look, I've decided some things about you. And he's saying, man, Lord, if you will pray, if you'll humble yourselves, I will turn that no into a yes. Uh, let me read that again. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. You know what, this is a really big obstacle sometimes for us, to humble ourselves. Yes. I don't know if you've ever had to say sorry to somebody because you've messed up. And, and even though you're the one to have messed it up, the act of saying sorry requires so much incredible willpower. I, I can't do, I'm like, I know I'm wrong. When I look at it really, yep, that was all me. And I've got to go over there and say, I'm sorry. I've got to humble myself. Man, it's, it's still tough. It's almost like I prefer to do a workout than have to say, I'm sorry. It's, it's tough. It's difficult. It's hard. So the, the bar here, we assume it's easy, but it's not. Humbling yourself takes effort and energy and purpose and desire and will. Thank you, Lord. So he says, if my people humble themselves, and note, it can't be just one of you, multiple of you, my people. Humble themselves and pray. This is the place I'm going to hear your prayer. Man, this is the opportunity for him to hear our prayer. And I've told you to lock in on something, somebody, somebody, some person, some situation that you're praying for right now. I want you to keep repeating that over in your head. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for it. I'm praying for that people. I'm praying for that person, location. Keep thinking about that in your head. I don't care if it doesn't happen today. And I don't care if you don't get a, a word from the Holy Spirit saying it's happening right now. Keep it in your heart. Because what David is, what is happening to Solomon right now is the Lord is reminding him, you prayed and I heard. There's going to be a moment where the Lord's going to have to answer your prayers because his word is true. 
says, verse 14, if my people shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, looking for the Lord. I, I, you know, what gets our attention is what fills our hearts. I've been thinking about this all week. What gets our attention, what holds onto our attention, fills our heart. Whatever books you decide to read, that becomes your heart. Whatever newscast you decide to listen to, that becomes your heart. I'm sorry, it's true. Uh, uh, whatever films you decide to watch and gravitate to, whatever books you love, that becomes and fills your heart. What is seeking? Seeking is putting something in my mind that I want to find. Right? I can start the seeking process as soon as that gets in my mind. And then as soon as that's in my mind, I start to do it. Because now it's in my heart. I don't know if you've ever had that thing that you've got to get done. It's going to keep bothering you until you get it done. <laughs> what this is making you is put, something, put the Lord in your heart. And until you find him, I can't concentrate, sit comfortably, do anything until I've found him. That's what the scripture is telling you here. Put it in your heart. Hide it so deep that you will, everything becomes a frustration until you find him. I'm humble, I'm looking, and I'm going to have to find him. That's what the scripture is encouraging us to do. It says, those who seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Here's the thing. When you're on the path to finding him, you're going to have to give up something if you intend to find him. Some paths don't allow you to ride a bike down. You have to get off the bike, and if you want to go down that path, you have to get off the bike. Some bikes, some paths don't allow cars down. Like I can make this journey all the way to a certain point, then sometimes I have to get out my car and start to walk. When we're on the path seeking the Lord, we're going to have to turn away from some things that we wanted to keep that were ultimately not good for us anyway. Like the journey's just not going to allow you to bring those things for you. Seeking the Lord is going to turn you down paths that are gonna make, force you to give up certain things. That's why seeking is a prerequisite to giving up, because otherwise you're just gonna keep the same things. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever tried to go, go um, on a hike. The last thing you wanna do on a hike is bring luggage with you. <laughs> the last thing you wanna do on a hike is bring luggage with you. You'll leave that at the hotel. Why? Because it's just not practical. It's just not practical to take my luggage with me. Some of the things that we are attached to is just like that luggage we should have left at the hotel. And the Lord's saying, leave that behind. Leave everything else behind and seek me. When you humble yourself, seek him. Push away those wicked stuff. And this is what he's saying. He says, then will I hear from heaven. I'm hearing you. And will do what? Forgive your sins and heal your land. I'm trying to figure out, I know we need forgiveness of sins, but I'm also wondering after we've got our forgiveness, how much of us need healing? How much of us have been through so much that I need to be healed from the thing that I was just going through, Lord? Like, I know what I was doing, and I know you've forgiven me for that now, but Lord, I need that healing now on top of that forgiveness. In the book of Isaiah, can we just go to the book of Isaiah really quickly? This is the other prophet I wanted to talk to here real quick. Isaiah is speaking to the children of Israel in chapter one. 
Um, it's a very important moment. Isaiah is one of the most important prophets in the Bible. It's the largest prophetic book. It has 66 chapters. Really, really big prophetic book. We usually focus on Isaiah and the coming Messiah. But there's so much more to the book of Isaiah than just the Messiah. And to be sure, the Messiah is the biggest part of it, the most important part of it. But there's a lot going on in the book of Isaiah. It starts off by talking about Israel having turned away from God. And how Israel is doing the right thing and how they are serving themselves and serving their own greed and serving their own righteousness rather than the Lord. And the problem with that is that Isaiah the prophet is, is literally a prophet designed to speak to the people and what they're going through. Let me just go to that really quickly. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 2. Verse two. He says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. This isn't somebody following him. This isn't somebody humbling themselves to him. He said, if you want to get right with me, humble yourself, pray, follow me. And this is, they're doing the exact opposite thing right here. Verse three, the ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. People aren't, I'm not in your heart. You're not being humble right now. Look at how he describes it. He says, um, a, a sinful nation of people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backwards. You are literally not only on the wrong path, but you're going backwards on the path that you are on. This is a tough part. Let me just get through this. Trust me, they're going somewhere. It says, why should ye stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. If I was to describe you like a patient, Isaiah is beautiful in, in his coloration and description of the people of God. He says, if I was to describe you like a patient, <laughs> he says, your heart is faint. You don't have a strong heart. And he says, your whole head is sick. You've, got, you, you've gone crazy. Verse six, from the sole of thy the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. He's going in on the people of God. The exact opposite of what the Lord is suggesting to happen to the people of God in, in, in Chronicles, the people have turned the exact opposite way. He said, I'll listen to you if you pray. I will listen to you if you humble yourself. And they've done the exact opposite. They've done the exact opposite thing. They've taken care of themselves. The scripture tells them that they are being unjust and not taking care of people. And as a result, they can't hear. So Isaiah the prophet comes in and says, I need to tell you what's going on right now. And I need you to fix this. Let's jump down to verse 16. I'm going to take my seat here in a moment. It says, wash you. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings. From, doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment or seek justice. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Look, you've been doing injustice and unkindness to people and I need you to fix it. 
Verse 18, he says what? Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The Lord is doing, telling the people to do exactly the same thing that he's been telling them to do in Solomon. This is hundreds of years later. We are seeing the same message from the Lord. He is truly merciful. They've turned away from him. They've stopped being humble. They're not looking after the, the, the widow. They're not looking after the orphan. And he's saying, I want you to look after these things. And the, the Lord is telling them, if you turn away from that, I'll start to hear you again. I'll start to hear you again. And it's important that we listen to the prophetic word of the Lord. It's important that we turn away from the wickedness that's in our heart. It's an important message because sometimes I think we get so complacent and I think we assume everything's going to be okay, but I've got to do the little bit of warning too because we can't allow our hearts to be filled with injustice because the Lord needs us to be justice for him in the earth. Let me just read that scripture through again. Wash you and make you clean. Put away your evil doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. This is what the Lord is asking us to do. Judge the fatherless. Bring justice to the ones who don't have fathers, the orphans. Plead for the widow. Look after those who can't look after themselves. Come now and let us reason together. That's a beautiful thing for the Lord God to say to us. Come now. You're the one who's wrong. You're the wrong who's out the way and he's saying to you now, come now. I am inviting you back. Know how it started. He says, you're like rebellious children who don't listen. <laughs> you're like children who, you're like um, a sinful nation ladled with iniquity. That's how he started chapter one of Isaiah. And at the end he's saying, come now. I know who you are and what you are, but come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, that's a, scarlet is a particular color, a, a red, a very deep red. In fact, it is so deep, it, it um, requires a process to create red that means essentially if you wanted that garment to be any other color, you're stuck. It's done. It's always going to be that. Like that process always makes scarlet garments scarlet. Can't make it another color. That's the color it has to be. And he's saying, even though you've made that garment scarlet, I'll make it white. It's supposed to be permanent. <laughs> it's supposed to be permanent. That sin, that problem, that issue is supposed to be permanent. But that's not the way it has to be. That's what I love about this. You know, one of the things I do like the Friar and Brimstone messages, they're absolutely correct and necessary and needed. But the Lord has always said, I can, make, I can fix this. Like we need to hear that the Lord is upset with us, but we also need to know that the Lord can save us. His arm isn't too short that he can't find and hold you and keep you. <laughs> can you find that for me? <laughs> His arm is not too short. You assume that because you're in a wicked way, in a problematic way, that the Lord won't eventually come and save you? If you humble yourself, he will. I don't have any problem with a, with a message that tells us what it is. But don't, let, don't leave me without the fact that the Lord will save if I repent. Amen? Let me read that through again. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. 
Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So when we started with the garment off the sheep, it was wool. White, whatever color the sheep was, <laughs> that's what the wool is. And he said, yes, you put your garment through the process of scarlet and you've dyed it and you thought it was permanent. That's what sin was supposed to do to you. But he says, I can make that garment like it was when we got it from the sheep. I can make it like that again. I am not here to worry about or be concerned with or trouble myself with what the past was because he can make all things new again. And that's the focus I have, that the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He will deliver, he will save, he will make all things new. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen.